to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. The Lord has such a good sense of humor. I keep on writing these lengthy sermons <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> I couldn't sleep that well last night either, so I just stayed up eating snacks. And I discovered there's a medical term for it. It's called insomnomnomnia. <laughs> well, Aaron uh, got up there and uh, that first song pretty much uh, sang the, the gist of my message. Uh, it was, it's really awesome when stuff like that happens. We're in uh, the season of Lent, which is 40 days of like this recalibration and refocusing on the person of Jesus. Uh, leading up to Easter, it's, it's a time for uh, just really drinking in the glories of the gospel all over again. And preachers all over the world um, are uh, Sunday after Sunday basically presenting the message of reconciliation from different angles in, in Scripture. And this, this uh, Sunday, one of the, the key texts is, is Genesis 12, and it's, it's talking about Abraham and the the redemptive plan of God through the, the nation of Israel, which would, uh, who would birth our Savior, Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> Aaron gets up there and starts singing about the re-inheritance, the re-inheriting of the nations, which is the very thing that Jesus wanted more than anything, to, like a mother hen, to gather all the, the, the peoples from Every nation and every tongue, something, 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 we worship you. <laughs> and so that was really fun. Um, but to understand uh, Genesis 12, when the father calls Abram, we have to look at um, why, which is in Genesis 11. And what happens in Genesis 11 is uh, all the people of the world were pretty depraved. And uh, we had decided way back then that what we were going to do is gather together and build this tower to the heavens, uh, make a name for ourselves. And God said in that moment, if they actually do this, then nothing's going to be impossible for them. And what he does in that moment is he confuses their languages and scatters them. And then Deuteronomy 32 talks about this and it references the day when God scattered the nations, assigned their, their places in accordance with the numbers of the sons of God, which is a pretty mysterious passage. But let me just put it this way. God gave us what we thought we wanted. He handed us over to the lesser desires the lesser gods of the world in order for us to be come aware of how deeply we need something else. Parents are really good at doing this kind of thing. 
In my house, Ashley and I, we try to create this culture of freedom, this culture of honor. It's kind of like you can, you can pick your poison or you can pick what prospers you. And we're trying to train our kids to make powerful choices. And of course, it's within reason. Within, we're always there to, to save, so to speak. But uh, one of the things that we, uh, we do every year is a family fun week. And this last year, we gave our kids a yes day. We basically handed them over to the desires of their heart, okay? The yes day was like, you can have or do whatever you want within like, um, obviously monetary limits and safety guidelines. <clears throat> and you know uh, what my kids did? They just, they wanted to eat candy bag after candy bag after candy bag. And we were, playing some like random, they wanted to like throw whipped cream at us and like crack an egg on our head. Like they eventually, but they eventually just got bored. We were hanging around the house and they were just gluttons, just eating Sour Patch Kids and Skittles. And, and they all got tummy aches. And they were bored. And <clears throat> It impacted them so much, like, the thing that we were trying to tell them, is, you know, over and over and over again is, like, candy is good within reason. If you eat too much, it'll give you a tummy ache. And mom and dad, we, we love you. The reason why we, like, put these things in place is to really facilitate even more joy and freedom and fun in your lives. And they realized it that day. So much so that this year, they don't even want a yes day. <laughs> they... Because all, all week, mom and dad, we plan good things for them, but it's within guidelines and it's within our shepherding. And they realize that we just have better ideas than them <laughs> about <laughs> how to have a good time. And so <clears throat> this metaphor obviously has places of breakdown when we apply it to the scattering of all nations, but here we go. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to land this thing, okay? God allows all of the people groups. He creates these people groups. He confuses their language, and they scatter from that place. And it sounds like, like punishment, right? But you remember last week, we, we talked about how when God prevented Adam and Eve from eating of the tree of life, you know, escorted them out of the garden, it looked like harsh punishment, but it was actually the only path that a truly loving father could take to redeem the minds and trusts of his children back to him, right? And as he's pronouncing the ramifications of their choices that the ground's going to be cursed and childbirth is cursed and your relationship is cursed, it, it again, it sounds like punishment, but what we don't know in that moment is Jesus himself is saying these things with tears in his eyes, thinking one day I will carry every one of the curses myself that I'm speaking in order to redeem you back into a trusting relationship with me. And in this moment when God confuses their languages, he's thinking, if they do this thing, nothing's going to be impossible for this. And they're, they're, so, they're so depraved, like they're just going to manifest hell on earth. And so he has an idea. He disperses them. And then the, the next chapter, verse 1, he chooses this guy named Abram to make a nation. And he says, from you, basically, I'm going to re-inherit all nations. 
and the children of Abraham, the promise is that you will have more children than the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. So what happens when Jesus comes along and he's crucified, raises from the dead, and the day comes for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Do you know what it says? People from every nation under the sun were there. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, everyone from their confused language locations heard one language. It was the language of love. And God was ingathering and reinheriting the nations back into his heart again. <laughs> That's good stuff, isn't it? Okay, I'm now skipping down three pages. <laughs> We're just addicted to this punishment paradigm. So, and, and it's the very thing that God is trying to dismantle in us so that we could actually run to him with full, fully trusting hearts again. Danny Silk was interviewed by our founders, Michael and Larissa, on their podcast uh, not too long ago, and I re-listened to it, and Danny said this cool thing. He said, you know, when uh, the, Danny Silk, by the way, he's one of the pastors of Bethel, uh, and he's like good friends with Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton, and a lot of you have been impacted by his books, and basically everything that's worked in our parenting, we stole from Danny, and... <laughs> So Danny, in this podcast with Michael and Larissa, he actually references the, the moment that Adam and Eve are um, prohibited from eating the tree of life and prohibited from the, the Garden of Eden. And Danny said, this wasn't a timeout that lasted millenniums. This was the only path our good father could take to redeem us back to himself. And so I just... I'm letting you know that I stole that line, uh, first of all. <laughs> and he wrote this book called Unpunishable, which is, I, I just highly recommend this book. It go, he goes into great detail just to dismantle this punishment paradigm that we um, have of the Father. But what happened when we ate the fruit in the garden is not only did we, uh, we, we fell under deception, we did the thing that God warned us not to do, and we changed governors in that moment. And from that moment on, we could only see our true father through the eyes of our false father. See, what happened that day is Adam could no longer see God the way that God truly is. He had a his mind was subjected to futility. The lies had worked their way in, so much so that the man that they used to walk with in the cool of the day, they hid from in terror. And the warning that God gave them in that day that you eat that fruit, you'll surely die. What they were hearing in their ears in that moment was, if you eat this fruit, I'm going to kill you. And they're hiding from the one that they once trusted. And the death that happened to them is the death of not being able to see God rightly, to fall under that kind of deception. See, Jesus actually confirms that this is what happens in John chapter 8. He talks to the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, and he says, 
they're, they're defending their lineage and they're saying they're, they're of Abraham, they're of God. And, and Jesus says, you are of your father, Satan. You, the reason you can't see me, the reason you don't love me is because you are only seeing me through the eyes of your father, the devil. Think about that. God himself showed up to the people who wanted God to show up more than anyone else. And the people that wanted God to show up couldn't recognize God himself. This is all happening in John chapter 8, which, you know, that was going to be the whole section of the sermon today, so I encourage you to read John chapter 8, but it starts off with this incredible story of the woman caught in adultery. The scribes and Pharisees drag her from, her, from the very act, the very sin that she's in, drags her out into public at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is near the temple grounds, and they say, in the law of Moses, we are supposed to stone such a one. What do you say? And Jesus stoops down in the dust. And I bet in that moment he's remembering the first time he stooped down in some dust. When he made man. And in this moment he's remaking a woman. He's remaking humanity. He's revealing his heart to people once again. And he says, whoever hasn't sinned, gets to cast the first stone. And then it's this incredible scene where it says from the oldest to the youngest, they just drop their their stones and they walk away. See, they thought that the punishment paradigm was the way to go in this moment. And they're trying to obviously trap Jesus in this moment. But Jesus, he's he's essentially saying that the law, adhering to the law, will bring punishment, but adhering to the Lord will bring mercy. And in this moment, he is, he is reconciling, he is redeeming a woman from the, the worst moment of her life. He goes on to say, uh, I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me won't walk in, dark, in darkness. So this is Jesus again saying, I'm, I'm here to enlighten you. I'm here to show you what the, the Father is really like. Guys, this is really hard. (laughs) Let me sum this all up. In the end, (laughs) it's too much. Let me sum up. The end of the chapter, Jesus essentially says that before Abraham was, I am. And that's the moment that the leftover Pharisees and scribes see the first mob drop their stones and walked away. But this whole chapter is happening in the same place. And Jesus is giving the, dropping these truth, truth bombs after truth bomb. And in this moment, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And then at that moment, they picked up stones to throw at Jesus, but he hid himself. What impacted me in this moment when I read it is that The very stones that were meant for the adulteress were laying there on the floor, on the ground. And Jesus said, if you're looking for someone to throw those stones at, throw them at me. He would actually step in the way of the very stones that were meant for the adulterer, which is what he does for every single one of us. 
See, Jesus on the cross, he wasn't just, he wasn't appeasing uh, an angry father. He was manifesting a loving father. Jesus on the cross, he is re-inheriting the hearts of men from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Does it not say in Revelation that men from every nation have been ransomed by his blood? So the eating of the the fruit in the garden was this simple act, and an act so simple but so difficult was its undoing that it would take thousands of years and countless moments of pain before the words take and eat would be redeemed from the thing that brought us death to the thing that brings us eternal life. It would take thousands of years before God would show up in the flesh hanging on the cross in the moment where we're manifesting the greatest darkness of our lives and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing in that moment, undoing the deception of Eve and reconciling us back to the heart of the Father. How'd I do? (laughs) Can we stand together? Father, thank you so much for your presence that we experienced today. We thank you that you go with us everywhere that we go. I pray for my friends in this room that we would recognize your presence. Thank you, God, that at our lowest moments, you shut down the voice of the accuser. At our lowest moments, you shut down the paradigm of punishment and extended mercy. Father, we thank you that our lowest moments, you stepped in front of the stones that were meant for us. We thank you, Jesus, that your love has the ability to absorb all of our violence and confusion. We thank you for the opening of the eyes of our hearts today and the closing of those old eyes that we used to use. We thank you, Jesus, for the power of your blood and body. And we're looking forward to celebrating you every day leading up to this Easter. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys.